Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And, uh, Noel, uh, yeah. how's it going up there? We got, uh... A lot of coronavirus up by you. Yeah. Well, I mean, so for like geography's sake, I'm located south of Seattle. Um, Pierce County hasn't had any confirmed cases, but also there there aren't enough confirmed cases because the government's not testing people. Yeah. Um, there's that. Um, so, I mean, we're all generally okay. I mean, I don't know how it is in Seattle because I haven't been to Seattle in like a month. Um, I know that things are pretty serious. UW has um, canceled, like, going into class, basically, and everything is shifting to online for the next couple of weeks um, as they wrap up. But for at least through this month. So it's really only a couple of weeks. Uh, But it's still sort of a gesture of how serious things are. Um, The big big news, though, I think that is finally, finally, Kate, the Emerald City Comic Con people, Mm -hmm. after kind of hemming and hawing for way too long, went yeah no we're postponing this to the summer and it was just like thank you because (laughs) why were you still going through with this i understand why because the logistics and everything there and of having a convention center booked and just like figuring all those that things out figuring that out is like a huge just my brain can't begin to fandom it and there are a number of refunds and things to be offered However, from a public health perspective not a good idea to hold a massive fan convention (laughs) During a pandemic. It's just not the best idea. Um, so I'm glad that they finally sort of went, we're, we're, we're not going to do this. And we're not going to do this at the beginning of April anymore. Sorry about that. And I just went, good, good. <laughs> yeah. I've already yeah. been talking with, with my sister about um, what are we going to do when they do the Comic-Con hotel sale in April? Because is Comic-Con going to happen? Well, I mean, Kate, here's the thing. By the summer, it'll just be magically gone. It'll be a miracle. It's That's just gone. That's how disease works. Historically, yeah. it's how diseases work. And then they come roaring back and kill thousands more people than they did in the initial round. Because that's how the Spanish flu worked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the summer was great. And then in October, a bunch of people died. So, yeah. It's weird. It's a little scary. Like, a little, like, low-key-esque scary. Just mm-hmm. because it's one of those things where... At least I am. I'm not going to speak for my partner, but um, that I'm very much resigned to this idea that we're going to get it mm-hmm. be- just because of where we're located and just it'll eventually kind of filter out. So I'm just like in my brain, I'm just like, OK, well, hand sanitizer is gone, but everyone can still get soap. So mm-hmm. I feel like we'll be OK. And it's just like I'm so we're, we're going to have a conversation this weekend that I'm going to initiate. Of how are we going to prepare for this in the event that something happens? Because I think that's a conversation everyone should at least be thinking about as opposed to just making a mad dash for hand sanitizer and whatchamacallit, those Clorox bleach wipe things, mm-hmm. uh, which are helpful. However, <laughs> they don't kill viruses. They don't kill viruses. And also you need to think about food. Yeah. So. Yeah, like, these are things to start thinking about a little bit. Um, So that's kind of where I am. Um, But I'm generally feeling sort of okay with it. Like, 
my partner and I are both like in that age range of like if we get it it'll probably be kind of not as severe mm-hmm. um even though both of us have like weird like body immune system type things so we're generally okay um I think I think we'll be fine but I'll let you'll be like the third person to know because it'll impact the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah if the television suddenly goes dark uh, everyone uh probably one of us is very sick right which I don't know what's happening in like Illinois or anything um so yeah there there are some cases uh yeah. the the most impacted I am so far is not very much but the um some of my students were supposed to have a school orchestra trip to Europe yeah that's gone. Oh, that's done. That's done. That's not happening. That's not happening. <laughs> um, so there's, yeah, there's stuff like that. And obviously there have been cases in Illinois. There's a case in Chicago. Um, so, you know, they, the first cases in Indiana just got, you know, announced recently. But, um, yeah, it's just, if you don't test for things, it's amazing how it's not, people don't have it. <laughs> yeah. So. It's funny how, it's funny how that works. It is. It is funny how that works. If only someone had a plan for how to deal with that, which transitions us to our second bit of fun news this week. We are obviously, as listeners know, we are both Warren people. And mm-hmm. uh, so that was a fun and, and draining and not surprising, but still not fun. <laughs> um, bit of news this week. Uh, are you, are, is your is your household in the the morning period still? I mean, we were both like uh, my partner went into work late on the day that she announced that she was dropping out, which was Thursday. Was yeah, it Thursday? I want to say yeah. yeah, yeah. God, I just it feels so long ago. Um, yeah, it yes. was Thursday. It's easy. To, it feels like it's so long ago because there's, there's been this really like amazing spurt of really glowing coverage about how amazing Elizabeth Warren is and what a great president she would be. And all of us Warren supporters are seeing like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where was all of this when she was in the campaign? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I know. I feel you. Super hardcore. I'm just going to walk into the ocean now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was like, I was, I was pretty bummed just because like, the discourse, the capital yeah. T, capital D discourse of the eulogi- eulogizing of, wow, yeah, she did a lot of great stuff. And I just went, yeah, no, she did. She was, it was, it was good. It was a good camp. It was a good idea for a campaign. They made some missteps. So I mm-hmm. really acknowledge that the Medicaid, the Medicare for all thing was just poorly Yeah, done. but that but, was only a problem for her and it wasn't a problem for Bernie. And I wonder what right. the difference is there. I wonder why right. she got scrutiny that he didn't. Hmm. Yeah. And that just gets to larger issues that we're not a political podcast, so we won't, like, wade into it. But, yeah, I was pretty disappointed, and I was also just... I will freely admit that I was also just kind of frustrated by the, oh, yeah, well, now you can come over and vote for Bernie stuff. And I just went, well, yeah, no, I am. Well, I would if I hadn't already submitted my ballot, and I also... I wouldn't have changed my vote in a primary if I had not voted even two weeks ago. I would have still voted for her, even if... I had done it on Monday. Um, I still would have voted for her. Um, but just that kind of discourse of I was read on a friend's Instagram feed and she's a big Bernie supporter that anyone who basically doesn't vote for Bernie in Super Tuesday is doesn't get to complain about Ralph Nader or third party votes ever again. <laughs> to which I went, that 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 is that is not a way for me to want to like so how I don't it works. understand this. That's not how this works. And also, but then this same person also had like that statement that Bernie released about Elizabeth Warren that I was just like, oh, 
Right, so now, now, now the outreach can begin, I guess. I mean, I was going to vote for him any... I'll vote for him if he's, he's the nominee anyway, but it's also just like, but he doesn't have any plans, and it's just going to be a bunch of executive action nonsense, and that's not how you govern. I know it is now, but it's not how you govern. Yeah, well, or also just this notion that, well... If you supported Warren, clearly that means you also like Bernie. It's like, don't you understand? There are a lot of people who supported Warren who also like Bernie voted for Bernie. That's why her numbers are so low. Everybody likes her, but people, you know, for whatever reason, if they liked multiple people and one of those people was Elizabeth Warren, they tended to go with that other person. So the people who are still with Warren at this point don't like Bernie for various reasons. It's not like, it's not an impossible thing. It shouldn't be an impossible thing to comprehend. And it doesn't mean that, that we won't vote for other people. It doesn't mean that we won't support the eventual nominee, but like the notion that it's a no brainer that all the Warren, uh, like Warren supporters should all go for this candidate or that candidate. It's like, no, (laughs) there's a reason when she was still so low in the polls, I was still a hardcore Warren stan, even though, like, the, yeah. all the polling said that she didn't have a shot. I was like, well, I'm still going to vote for her. Yeah. So. And I, I mean, a lot of that just, like, for, like, the Bernie folks kind of boils down to, like, a policy thing. And I understand that. But the rhetoric and the discourse around it and how he presents it, like, I've, even in 2016, I really heavily balked at this idea of a revolution because the the way that the American system works is not... It's very resistant to the concept of a revolution, just deeply ironically, but also mm-hmm. by design. Like, so I always kept going, even again in 2016, I was like, no, there's there's not going to be a revolution. There's There's not. That's not how any of this works. There will be incremental change. And if you want a revolution, then actually what you have to do is work locally and encourage that. And that's sort of like the key thing that also I see with like a number of folks who are just like, well, well now we're going to vote for Biden. And I'm very much like, but he's just the worst on just all sorts of so many things, just all sorts of things. But if you're concerned about like issues of electability, then work locally to make, to try to negate that. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel about it. Of like, if you're concerned about that, and I understand being someone from the deep South, that's very daunting and difficult to do. Do it. Be the change you want to see in the world, basically. Um, But do it. And then if it still doesn't work, keep doing it because like you can't you can't just be paralyzed by it because that's how gerrymandering and everything else literally bad that prevents vote than voter suppression that's how that happens Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna stop talking because again we're not a political podcast but so we should talk at least about america Ferrera leaving superstore because wtfk right okay so (laughs) listeners that we had some not fun news which we Hopefully got out of the way. Uh, but also some WTF news, which was this America Ferrer thing. So she's leaving the show, which they announced after they announced the show had been picked up for next season. So she's Amy's going to be off the show next season. She is the star of the show. Amy is the center of the show. Now, granted, they have a very talented ensemble, but like, yes, this is very strange to me. Yeah. And it. it- yeah, I assume that they had to know that she was going to leave before they renewed it. I feel like they had to know. And so 
hopefully there's some sort of plan in place, but I do kind of wonder about like the show losing a center. Um or what that how this how the superstore looks after she leaves because like you say it's a really big deep ensemble that's very 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 good but it's not it still needs a core of some kind and Amy has been that core really consistently um so I'm just really curious I don't begrudge her wanting to go on and do other things and spend more time with her family and that kind of a thing but from a show perspective, I'm very much of, wait, what does this show look like? And how does this show function without Amy? Because I don't know. I, I don't see quite how it does in the same way. And I don't feel like they've been building to that either. Right, this season, which is the other issue that they're going to run into real fast. Because I have to assume that they've wrapped. Or they're real close to wrapping. Because um, I feel like eight things are ending next week. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Superstore is not one of them, but a bunch of things are ending next week. But anyway, it just it feels weird, and I'm not quite sure how the show functions without her. Um, so I'll be curious to see. I'm still going to watch it because I really do like the show, and I like this cast, and I like the commentary that it has about working in the United States right now. Um, but yeah, it's just going to lose something, and I'm, yeah. I'm 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 very sad. But I'm also excited that that America Fur is going to find some a new project for her to work on since I didn't latch on to Ugly Betty in any way, shape, or form, but she's really good in Superstore. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. It, it'll be interesting, but we'll be there to check it out. Um, our, our, our last bit of news here, it's not news, but it's uh, worthy you mention, and let's end things on a happier note, which is happy birthday to friend of the show, Elsa Shoemaker. <laughs> yeah! Her birthday was Thursday, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was a nice bit of it was a nice bit of happy news in the middle of a bit of a not good news week for me. So uh, so so happy birthday, Allison! Thank you for being awesome. Well, speaking of friends of the show, obviously we mentioned Allison. Also, of course, friend of the show Caroline Sita is here this week on the on, on the podcast to talk about Doctor Who because Doctor Who had its season twelve finale this week. Lots of things to say about that. It's like an hour conversation. We do, we got into things, both the finale and the rest of the season. We start with like barely any spoiler free, and then go right into spoilers. Listeners, you've been warned. But always appreciate having Caroline on, and it was a lovely conversation. A lot, a lot to say. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, a lot to say, but I think it was a really good conversation that deals both with the finale and with, um, whatchamacallit, the show, the season as a whole. Yeah, and where we're at, kind of with the Chibnall era and all of that, so. But, right now it's time for some music, and listeners, as you know, uh, every week we have a little bit of music from the week's TV, and in what I think is a non-Smorsborgy best of the year, Televerse first, we're gonna have two this week. I wasn't going to not include Airport Sushi from SNL, but also we're going to be listening to the Vietnamese, <laughs> the Vietnam coronavirus song as well. So enjoy this little, this little taste of, the, I mean, and, and I'm not even using the Drag Race song, right? There were, there were too many options this week. There were a lot of options this week. We're going to hear a little Airport Sushi, uh, from SNL and then go right into the, the coronavirus song and then be back with our week in TV right after this. I'm not sick, I'm just a profile agent standing
that was both the airport sushi, the, the, the third part of the, the John Mulaney musical SNL sketch, uh, series that hopefully will continue. Um, and, and then also a bit of the coronavirus song from Vietnam featured this week on last week tonight with John Oliver. Uh, go ch- seek that out. If you are uncertain about coronavirus stuff or COVID-19 or what's going on, Go check out the 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 John Oliver segment because it was it was very good. Um, but for this week in TV, we're going to kick things off with Better Things, which had the season four premiere, Steady Rain, and She's Fifty. Then we'll talk a bit about Shit's Creek, Rebound, and of course last week's episode as well. Then we'll go to the Unicorn, No Caroline or Caroline No. Then RuPaul's Drag Race had their season premiere, I'm That Bitch. So we talked I talked a bit about it last week, but now we're going to really dive in with it. Then we'll go over to Black Lightning, The Book of War, Chapter 2, Freedom Ate Free, and we'll round things out with Stumptown, All Quiet on the Dexter and Front. So first up is Better Things, and I just was swamped. I couldn't get to it today uh, as we record. So what did you think of the first two episodes? So they're really good. Um, I think, and that's not a surprise, um, Better Things is really good show. It's hard to think that it's only in its fourth season given how just amazingly confident it is i think that the the thing that i'm most excited about this season is the sort of capper to she's 50 which is welcome to my midlife crisis <laughs> um as sam um begins to sort of deal with the fact that her kids are growing up and that her life is changing and that she is changing. So I'm really excited about um, if that's going to be the through line through this season. Um, So both episodes are really good. Um, There's the kids are still kind of like low key, the worst, but also the best, which I think is again, they're children. So yes, except for Max, who's much older, (laughs) but not in college anymore. So um, but no, I think that there's good things. And I was actually hoping you'd watch it because I wanted to get in a conversation about um Frankie wanting to have a quinceanera mm-hmm. to honor the fact that they are on essentially what is Mexican land. And Sam going, no, we're too white for that. And also you didn't have a bat mitzvah. So maybe you want a bat mitzvah. <laughs> um, and just like doubling down on this concept of, no, sweetie, we're white and Jewish. Mm-hmm. You can't have a quinceanera. <laughs> and she, but so, but it's a, it's cultural appreciation. And I just went, <laughs> wow. That's amazing. I, it's, it's such an awkward, weird conversation that I'm just like, I really wish now I really wish you'd watch it because I really wanted to hear your take on this. Um, but the eps- both episodes are really, really good. There's a really great capper to a joke in She's 50 about a story that Sam tells all the girls about needing to drive shift in the event of a zombie apocalypse. And the cap to that in a bit of casting is just so good and perfect. Um, that I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really good. Um, and there's also just like some, a little bit of career stuff left over from last season that's circulating in this season. So I'm really optimistic, but that's not a surprise. The show was really high on my best of for last year. So I'm hoping that it'll be really high next year too. It's off to a good start. Yeah, I'm excited to, to watch it. I mean, it, I was all ready, but now I'm even more so. So yeah, that's, I, I'm intrigued. So. Thoughts on this next week. Um, Schitt's Creek had two pretty big episodes here. Well, it's one big thing that happens 
that yes. so far we're talking about in two episodes, and that is the breakup of Alexis and Ted, uh, which was, I thought, handled absolutely beautifully in the previous week's episode. Uh, this week's episode is Rebound, as we kind of deal with the fallout from that. And I think it's, I think they handle it also very well. Um, that that shot, uh, of course, friend of the show, Emma Fraser mentioned it, Fraser mentioned it on, on Twitter with the, in in the tropical with them in the booth with the gown just kind of flowing oh gorgeous so beautifully like laid out so beautifully done it it just feels very much like they know where, where they want to end the series and they don't want to end the series with everybody happily coupled so we need to so we're going to break up alexis because we're going to have her thing be around her career and kind of go from there so i, it, I can feel the 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 just the structure of it and the 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 writer's fingers all over this because this has never been the kind of show to really get all that hung up on the realities of like their lives um so while i thought it was very beautifully and maturely handled and this is absolutely the kind of thing that people deal with all the time having that kind of touch of reality in shit's creek didn't necessarily feel like the show do you understand yeah. does that make sense yes so but it's appropriate i think again for the relationship and the idea that she would just be so miserable there. oh yeah just yeah the and ted would be miserable because she was miserable and this is just the best thing for ted like this is all ted professionally fulfillment wise i think would want yeah well and it shows how far she's come where like Alexis in a in an earlier season would either try to get him to or mm-hmm. expect that he would give would not take the job. Give it up. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And would be perfectly okay with him doing that. And that's not who she is and he probably would have in an earlier season as well. And, yes. and that's not who he is anymore either. So it really does show their growth over the like the you know the course of the run of the show and it's a nice kind of mile marker, as they talk about in the episode, for for the types of people they've become. Yeah. And I again, going back to what I think that this season has been sort of good at is the Johnny and Alexis talk is just really good. Mm-hmm. I feel like we sort of had like a strain of it before with Johnny being like regretful about not quite being around as much. Um, but... It was just, it was, it was, and just the joke of, where were you when I was dating half the cast of White Squall? And it's just like, which ones? Because that cast is loaded? <laughs> like, did you, have you looked up that cast? Because it's Jeremy Sisto, it's Jeff Bridges, it's Scott Wolf. Um, it's just, there's a lot of people in that movie, Kate. Mm-hmm. And I just really wanted to know which ones. I just really wanted to know which ones. But also, she would have been like eight? So... Something also really weird there. Anyway, so I really like that little talk, and I like that the show is giving Johnny these moments with it, sort of like giving them with everyone. Yeah. Even in their own, like, special ways, like the one with Stevie, with the motel, uh, with um, with Alexis here, and then with... Um, with oh, Patrick. goodness. With Patrick. Thank you. I was blanking on Patrick's name so hard. Um, with Patrick, and it's just like, I just kind of want to keep that train going. Um, I don't need a Roland one, but I feel like we're going to get one. Which does bring me to the other thing of Rebound. If Jocelyn just killing it at the apothecary was my everything. And then just going, yeah, this is really, I don't think 
this is for me. This I isn't just went, my brand. <laughs> yeah, and I just went, oh. I love you, Jocelyn. <laughs> I love you. And it's a good sort of like, for me, it's a good sort of structural joke to the end, the stinger of the episode with um, Moira doing the the town promotional video. But then never saying the name of the town in the video. It's just like, oh, it's so good. It's just like delicious. And it's sort of like the best, the best little bits of the show for me all kind of rolled in one. So I really, really liked Rebound. Yeah, no, it was super fun. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a fun episode. And I, I still am very much enjoying the arc of the season and curious about like where, where we're going to end up aside from at the wedding, but you know, we'll see what comes next Uh, over on the unicorn. They have one more episode. I did not realize they were only doing 18 this season. Uh, Yeah. And uh, so we have our resolution to the Wade and Caroline uh, relationship, which at least for now, which was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, uh, listeners, um, as you might have been aware if you weren't skipping over the unicorn segments, both of us thought that this was OTP Endgame, and the show went, ha, fuck you, Kate and Noel, the only people watching this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think the ratings for this are actually okay. Um, however, um, yeah, but it was, I think, handled really deftly. I think that the idea of, like, no, we're in different pages, but also it fits with, like, Wade's general personality as well. Of, like, realizing, yeah, this is fun, but also, I think, I think I was, I think I shifted. And that is what happens, and that's what can happen with these kinds of relationships. So I think that it's handled really deftly, but I also just really loved that... One woman in the widow support group. (laughs) (laughs) Who's just all about this. (laughs) Who's all about Wade and his tiny, tight butt. Um, And just being like, oh, so you're okay dating in the group. And I just went, oh, this should be creepy. And it is. Uh But at the same time, the chemistry of that widow's group and that actor in particular just makes it not creepy. Even if Wade is uncomfortable by it, and we should not be finding it as funny as it is, but it's still funny, and I, yeah, so I really- It's funny because of Cynthia. (laughs) Yes, it's funny because of Cynthia, so that's good, and yeah, so the rest of the episode I think is generally fine. Um, I like how the through line of, once you stop pushing teenagers, they open up to you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) is a lesson that I feel like everyone should already know from other sitcoms. Um... But yeah, so I'm excited about them kind of coming back in the finale um, to Jill, and it's her birthday, and what is, going back to this concept of mile marker. So I'm excited for this finale, because I've liked this show. It's been really consistent. Yeah, it certainly has has, uh, delivered on the potential of this cast, and even if it's not like must-see viewing, it's always reliable and super entertaining, so yeah. I'm also excited to see what happens next in their finale. And then hopefully did they have, have they been renewed? I think so. Um, I'm not, I'd have to look up real quick, but I think that they have. Um, oh, one other thing, Kate, yeah. first is first concern that Wade's getting enough protein between his <laughs> hookups. Yeah. It's very good. Oh, uh, first is, first is me. <laughs> first is me in too many ways. Uh, um, yeah. Hey, anyway. there, are, there are worse characters to be. 
This, this is true. This is I could still be Jonah. Yeah. This is much <laughs> better. Story. Much better. <laughs> uh, let's go over to Drag Race and I'm That Bitch, which is the, the first premiere, the actual premiere, but the first half of the queens that we meet. Uh, I'll also give a brief preview of episode two, and we'll talk a bit about the big Drag Race news from today. But first, let's just focus on the first episode, because uh, I gave my thoughts last week. What did you think? Um, uh, Kate, bitch better have my sprockets. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it. Um, you, I think that everything that you laid out last week about how we're structuring this in terms of we're going to spend a lot of time, you're going to get a lot of looks, works really to the show's benefit. And it works to the queen's benefit, too. And so I'm very excited about at least this first kind of batch that we're getting here, though Heidi in closet is just the worst name, (laughs) just the worst name. But I think that I'm sort of excited about this group. I liked the zag of the, there's no elimination, but you're going to sing for a $5,000 tip. Um, All of that is really good. Um, I do, I do. I really liked Gigi's um, performance in that lip sync a lot more than I think I liked Widow's, Mm -hmm. um, just because Widow's was a very kind of kitchen sink sort of approach to that, which is what you want in a lip sync. But also, I thought Gigi was just doing a lot more subtle comedy stuff through the lip sync that I really, really appreciated and I think synced nicely with the song. Um, But generally, I thought the looks were really good. um, And I like the dynamic of the group, this group already. Um, So I'll be interested in seeing what happens when the next batch get introduced and how horribly awry all of this goes immediately. Because do they meet the next, based on the trailer and the promo, do they meet the next group like immediately after? No, the next episode, well, I... I'll I'll get there. I'll get there. Okay. So the, I mean, the first episode, now that you guys have a chance to see it, but I mean, like, Freddy Krueger, Freddy Krueger, but make it fashion. Oh, my it's God. It's so good. Like, so it's, good. It, it was the best. And the, I didn't notice it, but my partner did the, the Band-Aid wig. Uh-huh. Just really, really good. Yeah. No, there's a lot of really great stuff. And, you know, I was, as I have been writing about it, I, I've been wondering, is this a better group of queens than normal such that yeah. it can, this set of, like, all seven of these queens are able to pull out five looks in the first episode. Entrance, spring and fall, performance, runway. Like, yeah. and, and there are some that aren't as good as the others, but none of them fall on their face. They all have at least solid looks for five, five. Yeah. And, and it, does that mean that this is a deeper bench than usual? Or does that mean that some of these other seasons, those early eliminated Queens could have done this too. They just didn't get the opportunity. Right. And I think that it's sort of like a weird, both and sort of situation of Mm -hmm. they very clearly were told Here's what's here's what we're gonna do for the first episode. Have stuff prepared. Um, at least to me, because some of those looks were just way too polished to have been done in. Oh no, they they came with all of those looks. Yeah, yeah, they came with all of this, and I think that speaks to having that time to prep. But also, and as has been discussed through other seasons, these are all queens that at least have the money to also do these looks. Yes, which I think is something that's really important to keep in mind when we're discussing this. Of like. These are queens that have the money. A lot of them are kind of established in the scenes that they're in. So 
they have the income to have come prepared for these looks, or they know how to stretch their personal budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important. But also, all of these looks are really, really good. Um, to so- Solid to really, really good. And I think that when you give people that lead, you're going to get something pretty banger. Um, so my, my interest now, especially after with just this first half is okay, let's see what they do with the sewing challenge. Now I, now I want to see it. I want to see what you do when you don't have time and warning and you just get the thing right then. Yeah. Like that's, that's going to be the real test now for me is like, all right, you get, you get a lot of turnaround time and prep and you know what's coming. You're solid. Great. I'm happy to see that. Let's see what happens when you don't know what's coming down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then in the second episode, uh, which is You Don't Know Me, and it's the the issue I have with it, it's as, I mean, because I thought this was, I gave it an A minus over the AV club, I just, which was basically just to save space in case there's an even better episode, because I thought it was a really good episode. Um, later in the season, I wanted to save the A just in case. But um, this next episode is not quite as good. And the reason is, it's not the queen's fault. It's because they just do the same episode over, oh, but with different no. guests. Yeah. Okay. So so in so now it's it's Robin and Tandy Newton are the guest judges, and they have mm-hmm. their six queens, but they still have an they all they have the entrance. There's a there's a lipstick message on the mirror, so they know that something else is up, but they don't find out what. Then they have to do spring and fall runways. So the same runways and the same shtick where you've got some of the former queens all along the runway as, you know, not Kim Kardashian, not Kanye West, the same kind of thing there. Yeah. And then they have to do a a write a verse for a Fosse inspired musical number. So okay. it's a different genre, but it's the same 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 concept. kind of yeah. And I it's I get that they want to have they want to be fair. They're trying to be very fair with this. Yes. Which is, uh, which I can appreciate. Which yeah. I appreciate. And I'm guessing also they just gave everyone the same list of here are the categories you need to be ready for. And so they didn't yeah. want to have to come up with more categories for looks. I get that right. too. But when you have it such a one for one, they even have the same beats around the choreography, right? Being the big strain. Uh, like for one of the two episodes, have the issue be, oh, can they come up with the lyrics? Are they going to be able to record it? And have the other one be, oh, is it the choreo going to come together? Because it's the same thing where you watch their choreography rehearsal and it's there's a lot of strain. It's not going well. And then you watch the finished number. You're like, uh, most of that choreo was completely different. They clearly had many more rehearsals. And this, yes. they do the exact same thing again in this next episode. Um, and when you already know no one's going to be eliminated, sure, the queens don't know that. But we know no one's getting eliminated, which kind of strips any of that energy and tension from the last act of the episode. And we also know already know it's going to be a lip sync for a tip. So yeah. a lot, you know, it's not on the queens so much as the producers that that is less effective the second time around. So these queens do deliver, and there's a good contrast in their styles and approaches. Um, I, I, that's actually really effective how they're sent to the workroom and some of the entries. I already have people I like and don't like. Um, and, I, you know, but but I think they all again similarly they all stand up to the scrutiny, but it, it's it's just a little it's a little frustrating <laughs> because if they just ha- took the same concepts but so that they were being tested on the same skills but changed up the challenges 
to make it a little bit more inventive or or, or a little just slightly dip more different. It would have mm-hmm. been a more interesting premiere. But this is a talented set of queens, a very talented group. And certainly I'm looking forward to them all meeting up as they do at the end of this of the second episode. And okay. so the third episode is where they're finally going to actually interact. Okay, gotcha. Um, so should we discuss the other thing? Yeah, we need to discuss the other thing, which is listeners, as we record uh this very recently uh, a story broke about one of the contestants on the season whose drag persona is sherry pie uh there was reporting in buzzfeed news which has been picked up other places that five uh, actors have come forward about being catfished and when i read their stories if this is a me too story i think this is very much a me too story but that's not how buzzfeed news or these other people categorize it so i don't want to which is a choice yeah i don't want to put words in their mouth but at least one of these people that is coming forward with a a complete abuse of power and uh sexual uh, misconduct like allegations against uh the 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 performer who who whose persona drag persona sherry pie and it's bad and there's uh, ev- there's emails and videos to confirm this. Uh, the the performer has put forward an apology on Facebook that doesn't go into specifics and doesn't uh, doesn't acknowledge specific wrong acts, just mistakes and hurting you know hurtful behavior and, and things. Um, so the the show has disqualified that performer. But of course this was all filmed last year. So yes. what they so that performer, if they are in the top four, will not be performing at the they will not be invited and not be performing at the finale. So they are disqualified from the show, but the show will air as it was filmed. Yeah. And also worth mentioning um, is that there is a sexual assault allegation against Britta, um, the, okay. the drag performer who plays Britta. Now, this is from several years ago, which uh, and it has resurfaced um, on Facebook with an anonymous post. And Britta, the actor, the, the performer whose drag persona is Britta, I don't know their actual names. I apologize, guys. Um, Jesse um, Havea is Britta. Yeah. Goes by Britta. Performance is better. Yeah. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. And it's Joey something with a G for yeah, um, um Anyways, that they have come forward with uh, to den- they've denied the allegation, and that's all we know. There is not other reporting about this, but you can find more information online. And what this just says to me is, I know that the show always wants there to be more secrecy around who's been cast, but show after all after the allegations against silky and some of the previous performers how do you not start vetting your people because at least this stuff with uh the performance uh, sherry pie was known was not like it was it was not a deep dark secret it was there were there were rumblings um in the in the drag scene and in that you can find like when they were first cast People were talking about stuff. Um, so, you know, it's like vague things. But if you're if your show, if your brand is and your like hugely popular show is on the line, you'd think that you would do more research. I don't know. What, what yes. do you think? No, I think that it's a failure producing and casting that this is what's happening. Um, so that's 
that's kind of where it is. It's just this was a failure producing and casting, um, especially in regards to Sherry Pie. If the allegations um, were like really kind of clearly known, um, then it's like um, then you should have been aware of it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a prolonged pattern of abusive behavior that uh, is not. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a years long pattern. So that is not something that comes out of nowhere or is uh uh it, it shouldn't it shouldn't have been a surprise to them mm-hmm. the way that it seems like it must have been yeah so agreed we'll see if this shapes the sh- i mean i personally think it's completely appropriate what you know mm-hmm. eliminating them from the competition i don't know if it'll be enough to stem backlash that will likely happen as more people find out about this but yeah. um It'll be interesting to see what the show does moving forward. Yeah. And it also just kind of goes, well, I don't really need to care about what Sherry does and mm-hmm. anything going forward now. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Sherry's very good. Sherry does a very yeah. good job in the in, in the, the first episode that, that that she's in, but doesn't change anything. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you just and? don't need to pay attention to it. Yeah. And? Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on Drag Race? Um... No, so I'm all set. Let's move to our next episode, and that's Black Lightning, The Book of War, Chapter 2, Freedom Ain't Free. So we're going to talk more about this next week when they have their season yeah. finale. We, we forgot that we forgot that they only had one more episode. So that affects our comments last week about the last pacing. Because yeah. as soon as we realized that, we were like, oh, that explains all the pacing, because there's one more episode. Oops. Yeah. We both, we, I felt very stupid listeners when I was watching the episode and went, see, and uh, Chiron across the bottom went, season finale, Black Lightning next week. And I went, wait a second. And then I rewound my recording <laughs> and went, oh, well, I feel like an ass. And <laughs> um, texted Kate and been like, did you know the finale was next week? <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> so this changes a lot of like everything we were talking about last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I, I, I like this episode. I thought it set things up well. Uh, I, you know, I'm in, I enjoyed the, the surprise with the wedding. I thought that was sweet and we'll see what happens. The wedding um, that didn't technically happen. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Um, so yeah, I think that all of a sudden some of their choices click into place. It's like, Oh, okay. We got it. We got it. Yep. Yeah. We got one more episode of Wayne Brady. That makes more sense. Like, which is exactly what we said last week. We're like, I think we got one more episodes worth of this character. And yeah, it's, it's the finale, the big showdown. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. There's a lot of fun, but I don't really have more to say until next week, I think. Right. And the only thing that I want to say for me about this episode, apart from Wayne Brady is really good in this episode and the expansion and, circulating in his more of the comic book backstory for the character i thought worked really well but i am very tired of this show having jennifer runoff do something really impulsive that is supposed to be helping and then just doesn't work and i'm just Mm -hmm. like stop doing this show you need to stop doing this it's bad for jennifer but it's also bad for the show um so don't do this anymore this is it this is all you get you get this one other thing that she gets to do and no more um but also it's just like wait he's blocking your lightning attacks run away don't let just yeah. run away run like, away you have one thing that you do so yeah. therefore yeah you can fly just fly away we don't think you can fly yet mm-hmm. <laughs> but just fly away um so 
Yeah, that's kind of where I ended up um, with this episode, but I'm excited about the big showdown. This also explains why Henderson mm-hmm. has only had this last episode. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yes. Um, yeah, so we'll talk about it more next week. Yeah. Well, also ending very soon is Stumptown. Yes. We have All Quiet on the Dexter in front, and I, I think they have two more? One, two I more? I think so. They're not on yeah. next week, but the week yeah. after, yeah. Um, so this is, uh, I don't know if I needed this twist that we got, that there's more to this story about how Benny died. I think that it's enough just what we know. But yes. uh, I did think that this was a strong episode. I, I liked this examination of Dex's PTSD and um, her, like how she is impacted from her time uh, serving in the military and, and some of her choices when she was there. Uh, I feel like Benny died from an IED is more interesting than, uh, Kirk Acevedo's evil, which she feels like where we're headed, <laughs> but yes. you know, who knows? Well, what, what did you think of this episode? Yeah, I think that that idea that there's some big secret about how Benny died is too big for the show. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a show that needs that. Everything, everything that is sort of like connected as it is right now, I think generally works well. They still don't know what they're doing with Cameron Mannheim, and that's a problem because Cameron Mannheim is terrific, and I really like that character. Uh, but this is the, like the third episode in the road that she hasn't shown up at all. Um, that I think that th- it just doesn't need it because the show is very well grounded in Portland and in the lives of these characters right now, and Portland and the reservation that, that fades in and out appropriately. Um, that I don't need a big secret about it. Like it just it doesn't make sense unless the big secret is that it's somehow not your fault. But it that's not how this works. That's not how that particular relationship works. So it, as a way to alleviate guilt, it would feel bad and dishonest because, well, yeah, but she would still have PTSD. Yeah, that's so, not that's not that's solve not how PTSD with a surprise like villain. Yeah. Exactly. That's not how this works, and it's not how it should work because the representation of it, I think, particularly in this episode, is good. Um, the way that just sliding it across the table and just Smolder's performance of like getting really tense, and we get to see that, and even how like a camera slowly whips around to her face in the booth, I think, is really effective. So I think that there's a lot of really good things in this episode that don't need to be undone by a big military conspiracy secret. Um, I think that the episode on a whole bounces all of that PTSD stuff really nicely though. Um, Everything with Ansel and asking a girl out yogurt shop. I was just like, no, this is good. I like this. This is sweet. But mainly Kate, the PTSD stuff is really good, but even if it hadn't been in this episode, a scooter chase set to she's a maniac mm-hmm. yeah was gonna win <laughs> everything just it was really well staged and it was very funny and i really appreciated it um so but also i mean you could have probably outrun her 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it was very funny. What did you think about like the B and C plots in this episode? Oh, I thought they were solid. Uh, I mean, yeah. especially once I realized that we were headed at the end of the season. Okay, now it makes sense for uh, Ansel to be moving back in at home, and yeah. and you know the questions that that they're using the the chef to bring up with the gray and dex dynamic makes sense i like the awareness of the character like the conversation there that gray is having about him and dex's relationship i think makes complete sense for that character and any sort of really like long-term friendship that close that especially one that started with the romantic angle to it you know i I, it feels very honest and appropriate and I, i like that clarity um, that of course he's thought about it and I'm sure she has too, but they know that, you know, like maybe at some point, but it's not a good idea right now. Um, and it, that's the kind of thing that I feel like we don't see often enough <laughs> on shows about adults <laughs> who yes. are friends. So I appreciated that as well. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And then, you know, having them watch porn is mm-hmm. just great. I yeah. Think. And then, like, filming the, you know, every romance fan's favorite. Yes. They only had one that. And then immediately, like, turning it on its head and just have, just filming just enough of it so that we can use it for the promo. And yes. then just psyching everyone out is, is more fun. Yeah. Much more fun. Yeah. Well, and, of course, leaving the door open so that if they want something to have happened, they something can have happened, too, mm-hmm. is, is yeah. yeah, it's fun. Uh, well, what wins your week in TV? Um, I'm gonna give it to Shit's Creek this week. I know this may be shocking, mm. but Shit's Creek this week. Um, Stumptown a very close second. Um, and also RuPaul's Drag Race last week also mm-hmm. a very close second. Um, so I had three this week, <laughs> but it's our show and we get to do what we want. We so what about you? Thing. What won your week in TV this week? Yeah, I think I'll give it to Stumptown as well with a shout out mm-hmm. to Drag Race. Um, yeah. but I'm intrigued by better things, so I clearly need to watch those. Uh. I don't think it's maybe it's a bit of a spoiler here that neither of us picked Doctor Who yet. We had a lot to say about it. So now we're going to take a break, listen to a trailer for the season of Doctor Who and come back with friend of the show, Caroline Sita of the AV Club to talk about Doctor Who, the, the season finale, as well as all of season 12. So we'll be right back after this. The name's Doctor. The Doctor. The security of this entire planet is at stake. Can we rely on to be back and work with this. Whoa. From Doppel. What? I don't suppose you've seen anything weird around here. Do you believe this is a human? What's the plan? You trust me, don't you? Have I got one to that? Where are we? Paris, 1943? Oh no. Something's coming for me. I can feel it. Play it, Connor. Family. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kolsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick, and it's the end of an eventful season of Doctor Who, and. Y'all know that Noel and I have our thoughts, but we knew we needed another authoritative voice on the subject. So, of course, we had to ask back friend of the show, Caroline Sita of the AV Club. Welcome back to the podcast, Caroline. Thank you for coming out to talk to Who with us because, like, there's a lot. 
there's a lot to yeah. talk about. <laughs> there's a lot that happened this season. Thank you guys for having me on to to try to break it all down. I mean, I feel like we have more questions than answers at this point, but I'm excited to chat about it. Definitely. Um, listeners, dude, we're not going to just, I mean, I guess we'll each do like one sentence here without spoilers, but there's going to be spoilers. So while we allow those who, for some reason, thought we would talk about Doctor Who and not talk about all the massive spoilers to to catch, like, find the stop button on their podcasting device, any, I guess, one sentence each, non-spoilery thoughts on the season, Caroline, go first. I'll say that I think if if people sort of tuned out after season 11, I think it's worth revisiting season 12. It does feel distinct in its own way. I don't know if it's entirely successful, but I think it's worth checking out and seeing if it is, if this season might be more your jam. Okay, Noel, what about you? I actually really agree with what Caroline just said. I think that this is a very Doctor Who, Doctor Who season, uh, especially compared to last season. And I think that there's plenty of things to sort of like about it, but I do agree with Caroline also in that I don't think it was entirely successful or as successful as I found last season anyway. Kate? Yeah, I agree with both you guys. Uh, I think I ended the season more mixed than you guys did, I'm guessing, which we'll get into shortly. Um I was really frustrated by some of the choices at the end of the season, but I do think there was a lot of really great stuff in this season. There was a lot of really interesting choices, and while some of them did not work, Orphan 55, um, most of them I was on board for, and certainly it was like, there were some of the most exciting moments of my TV viewing this year. Like this calendar year, we're from Doctor mm-hmm. Who, and it's been a while since I could say that. So, it's certainly something if you checked out in season eleven, maybe t- you know check back into a few of these, like read some of the like the log lines and jump into an episode that like you're intrigued by. Like if if you're like, ooh, Tesla, hmm, I like a lark, then maybe check out that one. Or if you're if you like the Cybermen, maybe check out that one. Uh, th- those episodes, but like there's some. There's some really interesting and good stuff here, and it's nice to see Chibnall really start to put his stamp on the show, for better or worse, or for better and worse. And we're going to get into that now, so you've had time to stop your podcasting devices if you don't want to be spoiled. Full spoilers from here on out. So, um, hmm, I'm actually going to throw to Noel first. because oh, Noel, no! I know we, <laughs> you really like the Cybermen. I do really like Cybermen, it's true. Uh... I really did not like a lot of the finale mm-hmm. because the Cybermaster thing is just stupid and dumb and the palette instantly rebelled for me. I just immediately was like, this is, oh my God, this is so stupid. Why are we doing this? This is, oh my God, this is so, this is so stupid. <laughs> I don't want this peanut butter in my chocolate, etc. But I was like, and I don't know, I'm not sure how Caroline feels because I haven't read your review yet. Um, and, but I know, know, know that you like, uh, you like peanut and chocolate butter. Uh, choc- oh my goodness, chocolate and peanut butter. So did you like the delicious combination or were you similarly uh, repelled by it like I was? So first, I just want to say that metaphor-wise... Chocolate and peanut butter are fine. In actuality, the two things do not belong together, and it is an abomination <laughs> against chocolate that you would pair peanut butter with it. Wow, so, this is going to be the hottest take of the day, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it can get hotter. Yeah. No. <laughs> um. So I, I I don't love it. 
Um, I don't, I don't love it. Um, I appreciated how very extra the the Time Lord Cybermen were, uh, because those that just Art Deco Gallifrey Finn and with the capes, it's very good. But I just didn't latch onto it in any way, shape, or form, especially after we had spent so much time with this lone Cyberman. Uh, that we um, what you call it? Um, Assad is that his name? I think right? Assad. Yeah, Assad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who I really, really enjoyed, and I hated, kind of hated how like the master sort of sucked up all that oxygen from him, and so yeah, I wasn't crazy about it either, and I didn't. I liked. I was. I was very much like, wait, but why do you? Why do you need an army when you've got a whole, like, death particle? I'm confused, Master. What are you doing here exactly? Your whole outfit is very good in this episode, but what are you doing exactly? Um, so I think that's where I kind of ended up on it. I really liked Haunting, and I really liked Ascension, but then Timeless Children, I just kind of went... I don't... The Cybermen just kind of felt a little inconsequential to the narrative, and I was a little frustrated by that. So that's kind of where I fell on it. It was, it was just like... I like the idea, I think, but just the execution of it never really came to life for me because they're, they'd be unstoppable. They'd just be so unstoppable. So you had to stop them right now before they became too <laughs> unstoppable. Uh, so that's kind of where I ended up is like, it was a neat idea, but I don't know that it meant anything. And I just, I didn't, I didn't really like, I didn't really like it. So. Okay. <laughs> Caroline, how about you? <laughs> You know, a tricky thing about reviewing the season and, and particularly reviewing this finale is that I feel like I keep wanting to have this caveat of I'm, I'm excited to see where things go from here because it yes. feels like a lot of things are still up in the air. And, and it was frustrating to get to the finale and still feel at that point. Um, and part of that is because it literally ends on like a massive cliffhanger with the doctor locked away in prison. But another part is because I, I genuinely don't know if the stuff that happens in this finale, if we're going to revisit it, mm-hmm. like half of me thinks, Ooh, there's still a mystery left about this Kasharmis guy. And we're going to follow that up. And there's going to be a big reveal. And then the other half of me thinks, Nope, he was gone. We're never going to think about him or hear about him again. And so I, I kind of feel that way about the Cybermen. It's like, if this is really the end of them, which it pro or, you know, not the end forever, but the end of this storyline, which it kind of feels like it probably is. I agree that they feel very underutilized. I'm not the biggest Cybermen fan in general. So for me, like the reveal of the Cyber Time Lords was enough to just like, I was just, I found that very funny and effective. So I just kind of liked the visual of that. And I Mm -hmm. was willing to float along as I often am with Cyberman stories. I agree that Ashad did not live up to his potential, but I am such a fan of Sasha Dewan's master that I didn't mind the trade-off of getting to spend more time with him. But again, I'm mostly just frustrated that after this whole season and a big finale, I'm still at a point of like, well, who knows where, where things are going? Like I need some sort of, you know, period on the end of a sentence. We get this, this Chris Chibnall era can't just be this massive run on sentence. And it's sort of is starting to feel like that's what it is. Yeah, I really like that comparison to a run-on sentence a lot. Mainly because that was just how I was speaking, I think, was in a massive run-on sentence. So now I'm having more sympathy for (laughs) (laughs) Chibnall. No, I think it's really accurate because one of the things, and um, I'll toss this to Kate, was that I just, I kind of felt frustrated a little bit by the end of, wait, no, there's there's some character arc 
thing here that just never happened because we needed to do a lot of we need to do a lot of this here's how we get around the regeneration thing um plot point i just went but then you separated the companions from the doctor and i had a lot i was really invested in this whole well wait she's not answering our questions but we wanted her to trust us and we want to trust her but then they're just separated for so much of this finale that i'm like but wait were we just setting that up for next season when they break her out of prison i'm confused show kate how did you feel the more we talk about it, the more irritated I get <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> with the episode. Well, it's because a, a few things. First of all, the timeless child thing did not pay off in any way that it was worthy of the buildup they had done. The The whole Brendan thing also, I just thought it was so stupid. I don't know why. I mean, maybe this is just my own... I, it is definitely just my own like nitpick and pet peeve in narrative like structures for these long running things. But why can't you make a new story about this doctor? Why do you have to reinvent a whole new backstory so that you can tell different stories about the doctor, but heaven forbid you do something with our current incarnation because we have to like them. So we can't do anything, you know, unusual or too challenging with this doctor we have to give her a potential backstory that we don't know about to make her more interesting and i think that is very stupid <laughs> there's already <laughs> so much that you can play with i mean i i love the the fact that yes now there can be any number of other past doctors that we don't know there you know there's the you know, dr ruth who is awesome like there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential there but why don't I just why not make a better new story moving forward mm -hmm. than just than just add extra baggage and trauma to a character who already has plenty um, as if that makes her more interesting? I don't think adding trauma to someone's backstory makes them like having them discover and uncover trauma they had moved past and forgotten makes them more interesting mm -hmm. um, and having. Like, this be the reveal. Like, this is why the Master destroyed all of Gallifrey? I think that's stupid. Also, who needed an explanation for where regeneration and where the Time Lords came from? I didn't. I certainly don't. I don't care. I think most people watching don't care. And, um, I mean, that's, who knows? Maybe they do. But, um, and it's just, again, it's this notion of, it's another one of my hippies of like, our hero has to be very capital V special capital mm -hmm. S. It's not enough for her choices and the fact that she goes around saving the universe to make them special, to make the doctor special. She also has to be this one's, oh, she's actually a different species altogether, who's lived all these other lives longer than any other Time Lord ever, and is the very, is the center upon all Time Lord technology and all time, like, that's, why you that's it's interesting because the we actually learned the reveal that she's the timeless child we get that pretty early in the episode like before the halfway mark and that actually made me feel certain that it was a false reveal and it was going to be complicated by the end of the episode i was sort of thinking maybe that like the master was actually going to turn out to be the timeless child and mm -hmm. he Same. was like fooling the doctor in order to get her to do the investigative work to learn about his past or in in some way, it felt like we were in for something more. And I think part of the and part of the reason I was okay with the episode as I was watching it was because I was like, okay, we're building up to something, and it's only in retrospect that I realize 
it was really just a lot of exposition. And it was a lot of exposition that we, you know, we didn't know it for sure, but it, it falls into place pretty easily with what we've, you know, the clues they've dropped throughout the season. And I think I'm not necessarily against adding this to the doctor's backstory, but it's frustrating that we got, you know, a whole extra long episode that was just about confirming sort of what we already knew or could have suspected without showing us what it will be like going forward. Because I think there's potential for this to be cool going forward, but we just don't have any evidence either way. And I, I think one of the most frustrating scenes in the finale is actually when we see the Ruth doctor, Dr. Ruth, sort of manifested in the Matrix and, and our doctor is talking to her. And that is a conversation where, where literally our doctor is asking questions where I was like, girl, we, we clarified this in the opening five minutes of this episode. You, why are you asking these questions <laughs> that that we already know? And that sort of stuff makes me nervous because I, I want that scene to sort of, you know, she even, she says to Dr. Ruth, like, wait, is it possible that you're one of my forgotten past lives and I was like yeah obviously why that is what that is clearly what you are there is no we don't need to ask that question at this point and that sort of makes me nervous that that seems like a scene where where you could have moved this forward to show how this will you know impact the doctor moving forward hopefully in cool and innovative ways but but we really haven't seen yet, that yet and that is sort of really frustrating especially I, I rewatched this episode for this podcast and I was like yeah this is not not one that is being reward, you know, that multiple viewings are are giving me more. It feels like it's all pretty surface, all pretty overexplained within this episode. Why would this undo the Doctor? Well, I guess the, they kind of get to the point that it doesn't, which also sort of makes the episode feel <laughs> slightly more pointless. But like, why? Why would the Master think that it would? Is what I, like. Like on the on the scale of things, yes, obviously it's a uh, shifting the ground under underneath of her, and it's, mm-hmm. it's. But why would like it was implied earlier in the season that this reveal would make the doc like that the master's actions would feel appropriate once we learned yeah. what the master had learned that it was this massive betrayal. And granted, from the master's perspective, that in like in his logic, of course it it's an appropriate reaction. And he would think that the master, you know, or he would think that the doctor should feel the same way that he does. But the way that it played at the time was not like it's the master's weird perspective that's making it seem like you will agree with the master, but that the audience should be with them, should be with the master on this. And that didn't land at all. And then uh, it's just, again, like you're saying, you're you're waiting for, okay, but it's actually going to be something else, something more interesting. And they're like, no, we just wanted to add, add like layers of, uh, of Dr. Secret Agent to to the backstory so that I guess we can uncover, like, a whole... It just, I got bad... I mean, as someone who enjoys uh, the Bond movies more than I should, <laughs> I got layers of, like, oh, are we seriously trying to also not just do an homage in Spyfall, but, like, make this a big part of the backstory, too? A shady organization that's mm-hmm. off the books and... like. You don't need all of this. The doctor is already awesome. There's already so much. I don't know. No, where are you at with all this? Yeah, I feel that it's just really pat. There wasn't an escalation. So I don't need to I reiterate what the two of you have said. And I think that for me, this idea that it was going to just overwhelm her, I think is grounded in 
the master's concept of, yeah, that thing that you loved, Gallifrey, they just did terrible things. And I just went, they they just murdered you over and over again. And then they like stole from you and all this kind of stuff to like make their civilization. And I just kind of went, I feel like the doctor's relationship with Gallifrey is already really complicated. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly finding out that they experimented on you over and over and over again to build their society. I feel like at some point the doctor just goes, no, that makes sense. They're <laughs> assholes. That's the kind of thing they would definitely do. Yes. Yeah. And I say this as someone who is not particularly steeped in Whovian lore in any way, shape, or form. But I know enough to know that the doctor's whole thing with Gallifrey is like, no, they're a bunch of dicks sometimes. That's why I left. <laughs> um, that's just kind of how their relationship with um, Gallifrey works. And I just kind of accepted that. So this idea that this is what was going to unmoor them, I think unmoor her was just grounded much more in the idea of the master really projecting it on to the doctor since mm-hmm. the master just being really obsessed with that whole like paralleling and that the idea that it's that a part of the doctor is inside of him he just can't deal with and i think that that's sort of like the most weirdly successful of this episode is how the show both writes and how dewan plays that deep deep suicidal tendency within the doc within the master i should say um, that I think just provides an actual sort of dramatic moment, provides a series of dramatic moments in this episode that is otherwise kind of lacking them. Um, but it just, he just destroyed all of Gallifrey because he was just like, no, you built it on this thing that I hate. I, we can't have nice things. I'm kicking my ball and going home. Um <laughs> And, well, but also, yeah. the master doesn't hate the doctor, yeah. right? Like, that's, it's, maybe this is, again, just my, my connection with the show going back to, through all the classic who, uh, doctor and master relationships. The, the master is, obviously, they are enemies, but they're also friends, and the com- mm-hmm. relationship is far more complicated than that, and far more interesting than that. Also, the master doesn't need a reason to do something, uh, to do something that violent and dramatic the master has has killed entire planets over and over again. So the, I mean, for me, what works best is this, this notion that the master is just like looking for an excuse to play with fire and to destroy everything. So like that makes more sense to me than it being like this justified anger and betrayal, or even just like the, the thing about the endless void and where the drumming comes from, from the RTD era, that makes more sense as a reason for, the uh the the master to want to destroy Gallifrey than than this uh than this reveal but I actually think one of the the biggest flaws of the episode was making the timeless child mystery important to Gallifrey as opposed to just important to the doctor and the master because I actually do understand like if you learn that you had you know essentially amnesia for a huge chunk of your life that would be an unsettling experience even if you're confident in who you are now. So so the doctor side of things I can relate to, I can relate to the master's like intense inferiority complex because of this reveal. But I think as both of you guys have have mentioned like for for me as an audience member, I'm not like shocked by the fact that the time lords were used to be jerks, you know, and that their ancient history involved them being jerks. That feels like that was to me, you know, the canon basically. This might have a few <laughs> more details, but it doesn't feel like it changes 
things much. And the things that I would be intrigued to know about that history, namely, like, how did this original small child feel about being adopted? Like, what was her relationship like with Tecteyun, her adoptive mother figure? I'm even unclear on, like, the experimentation that Tecteyun did. I'm unclear if that's how how gruesome we're supposed to read that. Was this, like, extremely unethical she was repeatedly murdering her child and forcing her to regenerate or was this more like you know a strange probably unhealthy dynamic but more of a scientific observation like I literally don't even know what what how emotionally we're supposed to feel about all of that and I would have loved to see those personal stakes unpacked more than this big Gallifrey plot and the setup of the division spy through line it was like they almost made this finale too big and i wish it was smaller and and just more personal for me it felt like more driven by a desire on chibnall's part to destroy gallifrey yeah again and now let's come up and with double a reason. destroy it so that we yeah. <laughs> he was Do like there's a death particle nothing will ever come back this planet is not coming back until there's a new showrunner and they decide to yeah. bring it back. Um, so that that was a little irritating to me. Also, uh, I feel like before we move on from the finale, um, I got to call bullshit on something in a big way. And that is the morality that they have been struggling with all season, mm-hmm. and which came to a head in, in the whole Shelly thing um, at the end of that episode. And it's here as well. And the Doctor's pacifism, it's the same thing, right? Where... Okay, so you can't push this button and kill everyone because then the master wins because he's made you this. Somewhat something that would kill themselves and would, you know, to save the universe. And that's bad, I guess. So it's wrong if you do it, but if you let someone else do it, it's perfectly okay. How? How does that make any sense? Who in the writer's room was like, that seems like that logic totally works? I mean, <laughs> they wrote themselves into a corner, and instead of having the doctor accept the consequences of that and have that shake their core, have that shake who she is and, and how she sees herself and have to really, really examine that, they're like, oh, no, no, don't worry, I'll do it. You just go, the universe needs you. And I know that because reasons. And um, also, don't worry about the morality of this at all. You can continue to have the exact same uh, just approach to the universe and to, to the world as you had, like, before this little conversation with the, do- with, with the master made you think that you should let him just out into the universe with cyber masters. I mean, oh, it's just, it's really paper thin. Like, paper thin is too generous. Yeah, Cyber it's just masters. like straight up messy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's funny. <laughs> but no, it is messy. Go ahead. I just feel like that's like I can, you know, I think that there's ways people can try to justify it, but the the show is not putting in that work for us and that's always a bummer when it just falls on the audience to try to make sense of something that's just yeah, has no thematic cohesive grounding at all it's very much like okay we need this episode to be over here's a convenient old man who can die for this and zip zaps up we're on to our next adventure <laughs> don't worry about lingering trauma there won't be any because <laughs> no, nothing's alive it. anymore or maybe there will <laughs> like I, again i can't tell how much i so like last season i actually feel like the the uh 
New Year's special, which followed on pretty closely, like this season ended in early December, and then Resolution, the 2019 New Year's special, it actually did feel like a cap on that season. And I'm I'm wondering if Revolution of the Daleks, which we are not going to get until next, you know, this upcoming holiday season, if that will also be structured as a capper on the season, or if it will feel like a standalone adventure. Like I really... I'm curious to see what they do with that. And I think it's a big difference to have a capper on your season and a couple weeks after your finale versus several months after your finale. Well, I've been pretty harsh here. Um, and I stand by all of it. <laughs> I could rant a lot more. But there are also things that I liked. <laughs> there are also good moments. I love the the continuing growth of Yaz. Or I mean, I don't even know if it's growth, but just showing her more, letting her make decisions, having her be the one who's like through the barrier first, no questions. It just really fits with what we've seen from her this season. There were some other interesting and fun moments in, in this episode. What did you guys, do you guys have any other positives? <laughs> any positives on this finale? For me, all the positives are Sasha Dewan. I find him to be such a compelling performer in this role, particularly because he does that like David Tennant, 10th Doctor thing of like, I'm being a manic and fun. And oh, sometimes I will be quiet and you will realize that I am the most sad and devastated person that's ever lived. He does that really, really well of making the master's villainy sort of feel like a performance on the master's part, that he is so broken and broken by this timeless child reveal that he's like, just going through the motions. And he's like, well, either I'll activate this death particle and destroy myself or I'll just it won't activate and then I can use it to do evil things and I'm sort of neutral on which you know one of those happens so to me the the success of this episode is all about how compelling it is to watch him and you know he gets a lot of screen time here I think more screen time than the doctor does so in that sense the character they focused on the most (laughs) I found interesting to watch Um, but again I don't know if that all sort of comes together in the end in a in a super satisfying way Yeah, and I like this idea of the performance aspect, because even, like, they even give him that line of, like, oh, no, that's the stinger I should have used when I shrank you down. That's what I should have said. I almost, like, waited for him to, like, re-embiggen Assad and then do it again so he could say it. Um, Just like, ah, no, it came up up always a little late, always a step late. Uh, So I, I do agree. I think that the master is sort of the thing that works best in this finale in no small part because of the um, because of the performance. Um, I'm not sure that anything else really kind of stood out for me. Um, it was a little weird going. Yeah, I don't know that anything else stands out. It's like, Kate, you mentioned Yaz just being a first one through and i really really liked that as well it's just like no i mean i didn't even get to discover an alien planet i'm just gonna go through this portal first okay um which i think is really really good and really delightful uh but yeah there's i don't know that there's a whole lot else here that i'm excited about or that i found particularly compelling and that's that's frustrating because i did sort of like this season overall but i just wasn't grabbed by their end game as much as i was kind of expecting to be i can't say i don't think i can underscore enough how much i liked ashad and how much that that idea and that concept and that performance helped me connect to the cybermen and made the cybermen scary in a new and interesting way for me 
because um, that's you know I know that that you really enjoy the Cybermen, Noel, but I think it's really easy for them to be just like the Daleks. It's very easy for yeah. them to be very repetitive. They have a shtick. We know what it is, but the because we could actually you know see the actor's face because there was you know they they did some groundwork in the first uh episode you know their the first big episode with him to like I no I killed my own children <laughs> you know like they they really <laughs> sold that kind of figure in, in it's the same way that they kind of resuscitated the Daleks with Dalek back in season one of new who by just having one. And if there's just one, you know, what would, what would happen? Um, so, so I, I think that was a really successful part of this, uh, this finale, especially the, if you think of it as a two parter or a three parter, um, I I'm all here for flirty banter with Graham. So, you know, the fact that now that I can't even remember that that person's name is on Earth. I think her name is Ravio, but don't quote me on that because the supporting cast members in this were very easy to to yeah. brush aside. But very excited that they're back on Earth and they have a a house now, a, a Tardis house. Um, so that's fun. That you know. So there was some there was some stuff in here that I did like, but um, yeah, there. It's I was I was a little frustrated by. All those things I was just ranting about. Uh, shall we turn our eyes to the rest of the season? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Caroline, high points, low points. Where, how are you feeling about the whole season? Yeah, so for me, this really feels like a season with two halves. And I think everything building up to Fugitive of the Jadoon, which was an incredibly cool episode to watch. Like, I think we can debate how well, I don't know, all the reveals that happened there end up holding up later. But like that episode felt game changing and cool. And everything leading up to that, which was the, the Spyfall two-parter, Orphan 55 is bad, but to me it's like forgettably bad and not frustratingly bad, if that makes sense. And I loved the Nikola Tesla episode. I think that was my favorite episode of the season. And then Into Future of the Jadoon, all of that felt like cool and original and, and forward momentum, again, except aside from Orphan 55. But then after the Fugitive of the Jadoon, it felt like the episodes were still solid. Like I think Praxius is a really solid episode. Um, the, the Percy Shelley, Mary Shelley episode, I think is really solid. I wasn't the biggest fan of, can you hear me? But I think in general, the second half of the season, it just, it lacked that sense of forward momentum that the first half had. And it really lacked like solid character development and character arcs. And I just found that increasingly frustrating as we got to a point where it's like, okay, we've spent, you know, two whole seasons now with these main four cast members. And I, I still feel like I barely know them and I, I barely understand their relationships to one another. So I think even though a lot of the episodes in the second half were successful, taken on their own, the like cumulative weight of the full season and, and thinking of this together with season 11, I, I found myself really frustrated with the second half of the season because I just wanted it, it. It felt like we were reaching a point where the show was supposed to be blossoming into its own and it, and that wasn't really happening. And then I found that really frustrating to watch. Yeah. I, I really concur with that idea of like this loss of forward momentum. I think that the whole kind of concept of, the whole spyfall conspiracy that then sets up like an un uncertainty within the group. And then Jadoon really solidifies that idea of, no, there's this thing that we have to avoid. How are we going to avoid it? Plastics, everyone. We're going to talk about <laughs> plastics. And it's like, but yeah, no, we can talk about plastics, but 
you have this breathing room basically in the in this like back half these like like three episodes right before we get into the finale two-parter basically that there's not any space and while there's little things like yaz um going back to meet that police officer and can you hear me nothing really gels in a way or shape or form that i think worked as well as say um that episode last season where they're trapped in that cabin um it takes you away yeah it takes you away where it's just like oh we're going to really spend some time with this and think about like a lot of the things that have been kind of running in this season in particular. There's none of that here. And that was really, really frustrating. Even if like, I really like the haunting episode. I think it's really fun. I enjoy when the doctor has to deal with ghosts. Um, Even when there aren't any ghosts, except for when Graham needs a sandwich. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But there, there just wasn't that space of everyone sort of, particularly the companions going to the doctor and being like, all right, so we met that weirdo who stole a spaceship. Do you want to talk to us about any of this? No? Okay. And we're all just fine with that. And I just kind of go, no, why are we all fine with this? And even like something where with like, can you hear me is a really good episode in which we deal with that kind of stuff because it deals with fears and nightmares and that kind of thing. And there's this through line of an idea of how do we, how do we relate to one another and what does that mean in terms of what are we solving by doing this and being here together, both personally, but also like on a galactic universal scale. And there's just none of that there. Like there's a little bit of it with Graham, just a smidge. And then that really kind of lovely conversation that he has with the doctor towards the end that I think is really, really great. But there's just not enough there, there to motivate everything. And it just kind of felt like Praxius, Can You Hear Me? and The Haunting of Villa Diata just didn't really mesh into anything coherent. And that was really kind of frustrating, even if I think that both Praxius and Haunting are really solid, like Caroline said, on their own. I think they're really good. Um, but that they just don't do anything other than be really good. And I think that's that's their biggest problem. I think we're getting into a bit of a theme with the Chibnall era at this point. I think we've had enough of it that we can start making connections. And when I look through these episodes, there are a number that really stand out to me. In the season 11, of course, I would point to the historicals, which I think are terrific. I still love Rosa. I still love Demons of the Punjab. And I still have a pretty decent-sized space in my heart for her Witchfinders. Oh, um, God. Just bring Alan coming back all the time. <laughs> um and and in this season again there are there are these really compelling and interesting standalones like can you hear me and its discussion around mental health like i think there's some silliness there but what it's trying to do i think is laudable and i think it does a good job it's really compelling tv for me and i like the ghost story part of haunting of via diodati is great i really like that episode until we get to the completely ridiculous ending with like the argument that Percy Shelley is worth, you know, the lives of billions of humans in the future, you know, um, or that any one person is and how that's supposed to be a very pro doc. I guess if he had, if he, had, if he had just had taken the ownership, the onus to be like, no, I'm making this choice. The doctor would let him because that's the kind of thing the doctor lets people do all the time, all the time. Um, but I guess only in the past is it an issue. Uh, sorry, I still I still have 
and frustrations about that. But um, but when it comes to the overall like arcing themes, like good at building suspense, Fugitive of the June is fantastic. It's so fun. It's so compelling. It's so evocative and effective as it's building the suspense to to its reveals. But then there's no there there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's an interesting contrast to, you know, like RTD and Moffat eras because RTD would do really great arcing and really great um like building of the like the season themes and then in the end it would just would be too a bit too silly and not really land stick the ending but the emotional stuff would be very effective and resonant and then Moffat I mean y'all have heard my complaints about Moffat um brilliant on certain on certain scales and then ev- eventually emotionally completely flat and lifeless for me and so with Chibnall, we're getting something that's an interesting kind of either meshing of different instincts of both of them, or it's or maybe its own complete different thing, where it's like standalones, very interesting, really good setup, but then neither the through line of the RTD era with the emotional stuff to pay off, or the clever plot mechanics that work so nicely in the best of Moffat. Instead, it's like it's just the different priorities uh, around who we're going to celebrate as worthy historical figures, about which topics we're going to discuss, about which elements of traveling with the Doctor are, are w- what we're going to center the show on. But then not enough legwork to support any of the eventual big moments that, if they did land, would be incredibly compelling. Yeah, it just sort of all feels like... I don't know, it's like slipping through my fingers somehow. You know what I mean? It's like, it's hard to hold on to what the big meaty thematic ideas of this season were. And I think gen- gen- generally in the RTD and Moffat eras, you could say, okay, I, I sort of can look back on the season and, and see what they were trying to do, even if it failed. But I don't think I look back on season 12 and, and maybe not even season 11 and like, you know, I feel like Spyfall introduces this idea of the companions all of a sudden realizing they know nothing about the Doctor. And then this finale is all about the Doctor realizing she doesn't know anything about herself. And it feels like those things should be in conversation, but they aren't. And in the end, it all it all comes together with this big, like, but we all believe in you and we're all a family. Which just, it could be a nice sentiment if it was well-developed, but it just feels very generic. I think that this mm-hmm. era really falls back on generic platitudes of, like, you're my family. And because we're all likable and nice, we don't need to define these specific relationships, but it's like, okay, how, how are Graham and Ryan, how have they changed now that they've really embraced the idea of being grandfather, grandson? What is Yaz's relationship to either of them that is specific? It feels like in the, in like in the two part finale, you could switch out any of the three companions where they are, who they're with and you wouldn't have to rewrite any of the scenes. Like they're, they're all so generically nice <laughs> that there's mm-hmm. no specificity to them. And I think that that lack of character specificity, thematic specificity is like a big letdown for this era. And it's why I like Nikola, the Nikola Tesla episode so much. Cause I feel like that episode actually has really cool thematic ideas about being an inventor and, you know, sort of pitting, Edison and Tesla and the doctor all those sort of foils for each. Like, I feel like there's meaty thematic things there that aren't just exposition and generic niceness. And I would love for the next season of the show to, to embrace 
complications more than I think this current era is doing. And I think there's space for that. And I think that given that you have three companions in particular, and that there's a lot of room to really kind of explore an idea of trust and knowing and what are we doing here? And I think that that's, that could be really exciting because the thing is, is like, I actually really like all three of these companions like a lot, but I think Caroline, you make a really good point in that. Yeah. That's kind of just all they are is like, we're supposed to like them because they're, they're very likable, but that's all very surface and that, the show just doesn't dig in as much as they should. Um, Because even like this idea of the ramifications of um, ramifications of Ryan, like leaving his best friend alone for so long, Mm -hmm. gets glided over really kind of too much. And then he's kind of fine by the end and, or as fine as he's going to be as far as the show is concerned. And it's like, no, no, he, Ryan, you should be there for your friend. You have a time machine. It's mm. how hard is this? Um, so I think that's kind of where it is, is like there's just like too many cracks, I think. But at the same time, because everyone's so likable and because these actors are very charismatic, the show can kind of skate by a little bit before you like sit down and go, wait a second. And that's not what you want happening when you're watching a show. Also, they have cell phones. The yeah. TARDIS can route the cell phones through time. We've seen it happen a lot over the run of the show of New Who. So just show him talking on the phone with his friend. Mm-hmm. You know, there's different things you could do. Or when they get to Gallifrey and they go, oh, this is the Doctor's home planet. Maybe include something in there about like, oh, now I get why the Doctor didn't want to take us here. Mm-hmm. Or and, oh, we kept asking her to bring us, oh, we're jackasses, you know, like, things like that. Like, there there are opportunities within the narrative to address and con- connect these threads that they've brought up, and they don't take them when they arise. Who is this, who is this relationship that Yaz has, like, this, this uh, unrequited love for or crush on or whatever that gets brought up, which I feel like the only thing that makes sense with what they've established is the Doctor, even though they haven't earned that either. Um in in that that's in can you hear me right where that comes up that and was, it's yeah, never ha- mentioned again oh there's a haunting thank yeah. you yeah and it's like well doesn't make sense for it to be ryan or graham so i guess i guess the doctor or someone we've never met before and it's too significant of a thing in this episode to be someone we've never met before but also it's not earned at all like it's frustrating when you watch a show do so so many things so well and then not seem to notice or take care with details that could elevate the whole series. Mm-hmm. I took that conversation in particular in Haunting of Villa Diotia, um, which is between Yaz and Claire Claremont, who's she's Claire is in love with Lord Byron and trying to figure that out. And I took it less as Yaz saying she had a crush on anybody and more just equating the experience of traveling with the doctor to sort of the experience of like, you know, being in love with this, this person that is both good and bad for you. And actually that idea, I mean, I think that's an idea that fuels a lot of new who is like traveling with the doctor is good. And it is also very, very bad and very traumatic and very toxic. And and I kind of wish that this season would lean into that more. Like, I think that the season heads that direction, but then it pulls back to like, we're nice and we're a family and everything's fine. And it's like, no, 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 like 
maybe if you've been traveling with and doing all these things and seeing multiple exploded planets, including your own, maybe you would be a little more traumatized and maybe it would be interesting to explore the darker things that the companions have experienced rather than like Graham and Yaz might die and their only conversations are, we'll get through this because we get through everything. Like, it'll be okay as long as we're together. And, you know, maybe there should be more by by the second season in, which is, you know, this is far more than we've gotten with a lot of the RTD companions were one season companions. And it just felt like they had much more complicated emotional journeys than than we've gotten with um, Graham, Ryan, or Yaz so far. Yeah. Well, certainly I know we will all be back next season and with the 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 special whenever they air at either Christmas or New Year's. Are there anything that you guys are hoping for in this upcoming special or with the show moving forward or any final thoughts on season 12? I would not mind a major shakeup to the companions. I don't know if that means some of them leave, they all leave, they you know, I don't know what this, the answer is, but I think, okay, we've had two seasons with this solid dynamic and it would be cool to do something different with that. Cause I think to some extent it feels like they've reached a plateau with this four person TARDIS team so far. So I would not be mad if, you know, as, and I do really like these actors. I do really like these characters. They're all super endearing. And you said charismatic. No, I think that's a great word. Um, but, you know, companions have their time. They come and go. That's kind of the premise of the show. And I, I wouldn't mind switching things up, um, using the the holiday special as a chance to switch things up and maybe um, give us a new team or new companions or something for season 13. I, I like that idea of shaking them up, even though I do like all these people, um, just because hopefully it would maybe make the writers realize that they need to really start, start engaging their characters. Um, but since we've got the doctor in a prison in space, I just have two words for both of you. Wentworth Miller. And (laughs) I think that's what needs to happen here to help her escape from this prison. And I don't care. I just want it to happen. And in my head canon, it already has. (laughs) Can, can Wentworth Miller have a cold gun? Yes. Yes, he can. (laughs) I'm here for that. Um, I would say, I'd throw on top of that what you guys were saying. Um, I would like a return, or the, I mean, I guess the show remembering that Ryan has the disability mm-hmm. because that was such a like a awesome thing when they introduced it. Like, oh, actually, Ryan has a disability and it's an invisible one. It's one that people don't see and so they can discount but it shapes his experience uh except we forgot about it except for the three episodes where we mention it and it would be nice if they would remember that um and then also i'm not very excited about the dogs being back at all i don't care about them even a little bit but i'm hopeful that there will be something interesting here i like i enjoy the jadoon so i'm excited for that and certainly um if we can get some more i don't like this whole backstory thing as I've laid out for many reasons. I'm not opposed to new doctors. I'm not opposed to like retconning because the show does it all the time. But um, if, if we can get more Dr. Ruth, that'd be great. Yeah. And uh, I also kind of need Jack to show up and punch the doctor in the face (laughs) for not listening to him. (laughs) And then immediately like, and then it can go from there. Until by the end of the episode, I'm sure they're flirting again. But, like, I, I really would appreciate 
some sort of thing with with Jack. Also, shout out this season to the best cake on TV, <laughs> which is maybe my third favorite thing in the uh, the Fugitive of the Jadoon. And uh, that's saying a lot because there's a lot to like in that episode. <laughs> you know, we do uh, have so. to say Captain Jack came back this season. That is a very, very cool thing that happened this yeah, season. It, it happened so early that it's easy to forget. But like how cool that that happened. Like props to it the show amazing. for pulling that off and props to John Barrowman for leading that charge for so many years. Ten years off the show. It's just amazing. <sighs> okay, well, final thoughts. I'm less optimistic than I was last season, but I have not fully lost my optimism that the Chibnall era and the 13th Doctor era can turn around and do something really, really cool. (laughs) I will remain tentatively optimistic for the future. (laughs) Great. Noel? I'm always in the middle lane, typically with Doctor Who in terms of even when people are really, really liking, I'm I'm very much in a, yeah, it's it's good. It's good. I'm not as, like, deeply connected to the show as a lot of other folks are, and I'm okay with that. Um, So I think that, for me, I am also optimistic that they can pull something out of this, but if if not, I'm not going to be particularly upset. Um, I'm just going to be low-key disappointed, which is arguably worse, but in this case, just kind of a shrug. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping against hope that they've, like, take the year off and recalibrate but we'll see okay and yeah i feel like i'm ready for some time off and i got very excited for a part of the season because i was like oh man doctor who's back is like must watch can't miss tv until then it let me let me back down (laughs) i was really climbing on the season and then it then it let me back down by the end so i'm ready for for a break again but i do enjoy this cast i do enjoy some of the instincts of this creative team and you know i I would love to be pleasantly surprised with uh, a clearer focus and vision in the coming season. So, yeah, I'll go with, with Caroline. Maybe it would be nice. Fingers crossed. Let's, let's hope for it. <laughs> and bring <laughs> and Nikola Tesla note, back. And bring Nikola Tesla and Captain Jack back. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. We always love having you here. Where can our listeners find you and your work online? Yep, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Caroline Sita, and I write stuff for the AV Club. You can find me there, too. And listeners, of course, you can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org, where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can find our M4A chaptered feed and MP3 unchaptered feed up in Apple Podcasts. And we're also in Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. And you can find my RuPaul's Drag Race recaps, write-ups over at the AV Club. And I am also on Twitter at theteleverse. And Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much for a great week, Kate. And thank you, Caroline, for coming and talking about Doctor Who with us. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was super fun. Thank you all. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. (laughs) 